Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. What an absolutely beautiful day it is, and I'm glad to be able to be here this morning and, and share with you. You know, in 1967, Mike Lum, he became the first Major League Baseball player of Japanese ancestry. He hit, uh, it was his debut in September of 1967, and as a pinch hitter for Hank Aaron, he got a single, came around to score the winning run in the ninth inning against the New York Mets. And you're probably asking, why in the world I just uh, shared that little bit of trivia with you? Well, Pastor Marvin asked me if I would pinch hit for him today. So, so I'm pinch hitting, and Mike Lum's hit caused a victory for the Mets, so hopefully this will be something that will cause a victory in, in your spirit. You know, on April 4th of this year, in 2021, it'll be Easter Sunday, and we will celebrate the resurrection of life. On May 23rd, 2021, this year, it will be Pentecost Sunday. And you know, Pentecost Sunday, I really believe, is the birth of the, the Christian church. And we know that the, the scripture says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And when Joel spoke those words, wrote those words, it was 835 B.C. And when we take a look at the power of the Holy Spirit coming, coming to be upon us, it was just a, a promise and a gift. You know, I was raised Catholic, and when I was 13 years old in 1965, I received confirmation, and confirmation is uh, supposedly receiving the Holy Spirit, and you become a soldier in, in the Lord's army. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in October of 1978, and it's one of those things that I will absolutely never forget. Because when I look back at, at what uh, Jesus said and what he promised to us, I think it's a promise for us today is a promise for the church, and if ever there was a time when we need the power and the blessings and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I believe that today is that day. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's from John chapter 20, verse 22. And I, I really believe that that was the birth of the church as Jesus spoke that uh, he, he breathed life into, into the disciples, into Mary Magdalene, into the disciples. Thomas was there. And you know, that word that is used about he breathed into uh, the disciples is the same uh, word that is used when God breathed into Adam. And it was that it breathed into a spirit and that life. And when we look at what Jesus said to us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. I believe that if he were speaking to us today, if he were here speaking to us, he would say that he was going to give us power 
receive the Holy Spirit and we'll be witnesses in Lodi and in Stockton and San Joaquin Valley, Northern California, throughout the whole world because the mission is still the same that it was then, that we are to receive power to be witnesses of Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. And then He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, if we read this verse of Scripture that comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, if you go back and you look at the Scripture, just underline every time Jesus is saying will. He's saying that people that are baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. And the Lord Jesus has spoken to them. He was, spoken, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. And there the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed, listen to this now, and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The church in America is basically lacks power today. In so many ways, there is so little understanding of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. The evangelical or the Trinitarian formal creed is sound, but the breakdown is in our, in our working creed. That we've almost in many ways forgotten the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit wants to bring with us, and the power that is needed. And, and this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to share with you and to focus really on the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Satan, the great deceiver, has done an incredible job. He's convinced the world, even dedicated ministers of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit is nothing more than an influence or a special power. This is, I'm taking a quote from Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. The deception is a priority of Satan because he knows that the moment you discover the personality and the reality of the Spirit, your life will dramatically be transformed. Just look at history. Every great revival was accompanied by a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Even Martin Luther credits the great reformation to the work of the Spirit. He said that Galatians was his favorite book in Scripture because of the verse that says, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So before we begin this study on the Holy Spirit, I'd like to take a couple moments and say something about Satan. And you might say, Satan, why would you talk about Satan? I think it's important for us to understand just exactly who Satan is. First of all, he is a created being. He's an angel, equal to the angels. This is a good place to dispel this false myth about Satan. He is not the antithesis to God. Please hear me. Satan is not the antithesis to God. He has none of the divine attributes of the Godhead. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not all-powerful. He, he is not on the same plane as the Godhead. He cannot read your thoughts, but he is more powerful than we are. And that is why we need the Holy Spirit. So, so who is the Holy Spirit? Let's take a few minutes to talk about the Holy Spirit. First of all, I think it's important that we understand who the Holy Spirit is not. 
There's a song that many, uh, you've heard it sung in church many times, send it on down, send it on down. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit, send it on down. Well, I want to dispel the word, send, send it on down, send it on down. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not merely a source of power or strength or energy. He is not a ghost. He's not a scary spirit. He is not less important than God the Father or the Son. You see, there's the triune God. If we go back and we read in, in chapter 17 of John, when Jesus is, is talking about his, when, he's, when he's praying for us, he's praying for himself, he's praying for his disciples, he's praying for all believers, that's us. And he's saying he's praying for all, Father, that we, that we, all believers, would be one as he and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. It's such a, a beautiful, beautiful expression of who the Holy Spirit is. He's not merely a singular experience. Many times people get hung up when talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They get hung up about uh, speaking in tongues. He is not merely a singular experience. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. I'd please, uh, maybe after you finish watching this today, you would go back to your scripture and you'd take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Beautifully explained the gifts of the Spirit. And, and Paul is talking about that. And then if you go over to Galatians 5.22, you read, there are nine fruits of the Spirit. And God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll have the gifts of the Spirit, but as important as that is the fruit of the Spirit. And if the church expresses and lives and believes in the fruit of the Spirit, then that's when we will see the world transformed because we are to be witnesses and tell the world and tell the whole world who Jesus is, our Savior. Then, then who is the Holy Spirit? He is a real person. He's separate and distinct from the Father and the Son. He's an individual member of the Godhead. He has a separate body, soul, and spirit, distinct from that of the Father and the Son. And we must learn that he's a person who is infinitely wise and holy and gracious. He seeks to get a hold of us so that he can use us, so that he can bless us, so that he can empower us, so that he can have fellowship with us. He desires to know us, this gift that the Father has given us. The gift of the Holy Spirit is so precious. And many times we just don't understand who the Holy Spirit is and how important the Holy Spirit is to, to us. We must become acquainted with him as a person and not merely as a source of power. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Unfortunately, across our land, many churches have done that. Maybe with a lack of understanding, a lack of teaching, a lack of knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe it's a fear of what the Holy Spirit might, might do to us if we just let go of the steering wheel and let the Spirit of God lead us. And there, let's talk about it. There have been some abuses of that, but I think that if we get scared of the, who the Holy Spirit is because of a few abuses that have taken place in, in times gone by, we miss the blessings and the gifts and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. It also says in Matthew 12, 31 and 32, and in Mark and in Luke, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I think that could really be fearful to a lot of people. 
It's one unpardonable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Exactly what does that mean? And really, I believe what it's saying to us in Scripture is don't deny or defame or ridicule or mock or curse the Holy Spirit because that's the same as cursing God. And we need to understand that. So the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ is really interesting if we go back and if we really look at Scripture and see how important the Holy Spirit was and the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus is born. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. You all know the story. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It comes from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If we look, he's at the temple at age 12 in Luke chapter 2, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and the wisdom and knowledge that he had and the understanding. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph must have thought when they came upon this and saw their 12-year-old son teaching the leaders of, uh, of the, the synagogue and the leaders of, of Israel, the ones that were sitting there that were listening to him? And, and the wisdom was just amazing. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, And as he was praying, heaven opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him bodily in the form of the dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, and am well pleased. We know that as John the baptizer was baptizing many, and he looked up, and Jesus, his cousin, is coming. And the Spirit of God came upon John. He knew, he knew at that moment that this was the Savior of the world. And he said to, to Jesus, I'm not worthy to this. And, and Jesus said, you've got to fulfill Scripture that this would be done. And so he baptizes Jesus. And when Jesus came up out of the water, can you imagine what happened? A voice from heaven, you are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. This is scriptural proof of the Trinity. We have Jesus, we have the Father speaking from heaven, we have the dove ascending upon Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit. What a powerful thing that takes place. And then in chapter 4 of Luke, verse 1 and 2, says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil." You know, during that 40-day period of time, and I don't totally understand it, that says, Scripture says, there is nothing that we can experience, form of temptation or sin, that Jesus hasn't experienced and have knowledge about. So during that 40 days in the desert, he was tempted by Satan to, to, to basically backslide to basically walk away from God, to walk away from his, his destiny, to walk away from the Father, all of those things, the temptation that took place. But Jesus had the power in him from the Holy Spirit to overcome anything that Satan tried to throw at him. And Jesus, I look at this and I say, if Jesus, being full of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit for 40 days into the desert, and tempted, and victory, if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit in him. Think of how much we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us to overcome all of the temptations, to overcome all of the struggles, 
during this perilous times over the last year for all of us that we've gone through difficult times. There isn't a family in this nation that hasn't gone through some trial, some difficulty. There isn't anybody in this nation that's a believer who hasn't had their, their faith challenged or, or maybe, maybe the fear and the, the uncertainty of those things. But the power of the Holy Spirit that we have in us helps us to become victorious helps us to, to overcome those, those doubts, those fears, those, those trepidations that every one of us are, are subject to. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus needed that, His preaching, His healings, His suffering, His victory over sin, if He did this after He received the Holy Spirit, if Jesus could do nothing apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit in us? I want to encourage you. Maybe you, you haven't spent much time thinking about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't spent much time digging in Scripture to see what the Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't spent much time uh, praying about the Holy Spirit and the gift that our Heavenly Father wants, wants to give us to help us in all of these, these difficulties. I want to encourage you to do so today. I want to encourage you to begin to cry out to God the Father. To, to enlighten you, to empower you, to instruct you, to feel the love and the passion of the Holy Spirit. Let's face it, Jesus ascended. He ascended into heaven. Scripture tells us that he's at the Father's right hand. He's interceding on our behalf. What did he tell the disciples? He said, I've got to go away. But don't be afraid. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the paraclete. I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit to be with you. That's a gift that he's given us because he loves us so much and he knows us being frail human beings, subject to life, the difficulties of life, the difficulties of being afraid to share our faith, the, the difficulties of, of cowering in a corner because someone may, may accuse us of, of being a Christian or, or being too, too narrow-minded or, or all of those challenges that are coming upon the church today. Jesus knew that we were going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all of those. And so this is for us. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I prayed with someone at church a couple weeks ago, desperate to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. She has a desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Deep, deep desire. I pray that you would take time this morning in your place, maybe in your car, maybe at your bedside, maybe at the dinner table, maybe in the backyard, maybe when you're pulling weeds, maybe, maybe when you're cleaning the garage. Maybe when you're just sitting in quiet time for your devotions in the morning or the evening, that you would begin to ask the Father to bless you with the presence and the power and the knowledge and the wisdom and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we know that when Jesus returned from his 40 days in, in the desert, that he returned to Nazareth. And he was in the synagogue and he raised the scripture and he read from the scripture and he said, this is the scripture, this scripture, this today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. From the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, is the spirit of the Lord is on me, he said. And it caused a lot of folks to look at him and ultimately try to kill him. Some people that had known him all of his life. But he knew that the spirit of the Lord was on him. 
and he began to preach the good news. And this was the absolute fulfillment of the Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is first made reference to in the Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Think about that. Now, I encourage you to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, take a look and, and open up Open up the Bible and look at it and what it is saying. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's the expression of like a dove over her eggs in the nest, gentle, hovering, watching over, taking, taking care of. And the last made reference to the Holy Spirit in Revelation 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the world in which we live in today, we don't know what the future holds, but I'm so grateful that we know. That very trite saying, we know who holds the future, but it's true. And there's nothing that will come upon us or come upon the world that is going to shake God. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to, to empower us, it will not shake us either. Over the years, I've done a lot of work in Cuba. I first went to Cuba 21 years ago. Five of us went to Cuba to uh, see really what the state of the church was in Cuba. We were the first Americans that were really able, able to visit and, and to take a look at what we were doing. We, we, we had to get a religious visa. We were some of the first that were able to acquire a religious visa and to be able to, to visit Cuba and see what the state of the church was. And to tell you the truth, the state of the church was like the book of Acts. It was absolutely unbelievable. The Spirit of God had begun to move from the east side of the island to the west side of the island. Hundreds of churches, house churches, had been birthed. Miracles had happened. People were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit up at the mountains of the east side of Cuba. And they had to come down to the flatlands to, to find a pastor to explain to them what was happening. And I was there several years ago, and I was working with the national leadership of, of Cuba. And I was there to hold a conference for about three to five days, working with the leaders from clear across the country about what God had in store for that church. And I, I was working with them about leadership. I was working with them about just, just acknowledging what it is that God wanted them to do. About the second day, there was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in that conference. I tell you, I've never experienced anything in my life like that move of God in that particular conference. And every person there understood that. And, and it would take far too long for me to get into all of the details. But we had a word, a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit that was spoken to the leaders. And here I had never experienced anything in all my travels, all the countries I had been in, I had never sensed anything like the power of the Holy Spirit that I had experienced in Cuba. And do you know what the Holy Spirit through this prophetic word was saying to the church? That their number one thing, the number one thing the Holy Spirit was desiring from them was to cultivate their relationship with the Holy Spirit a desire deep within their belly that was saying, we want more, we want more of you, we want more of you, God. We're not satisfied with what we had. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the growth of the church. We thank you for helping us to overcome the oppression. We thank you for the miracles that we see. But we're not satisfied. 
We want more. And for Pentecost Sunday that year, across the entire nation, the churches were dedicated to praying for and receiving the Holy Spirit in a way that they had never experienced, even through the years of the revival that they had been experiencing in this country. I walked away from that with a white-hot fire in my belly to know the Holy Spirit, to know the power of God, to, 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 for my relationship with my Savior to be stronger and greater than it had ever been. Since that time, my family has gone through some really difficult times. Difficult times that I won't share, but difficult times. And had it not been for the power of the love of Christ and the gift and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we felt, that my family felt, that my, my wife felt, that my, my daughters felt, that my grandchildren felt, I don't know how we would have been able to weather some of the storms that we've gone through. So today, as I, as I close, I encourage you, oh, I encourage you, if you don't know Christ, would you just take a moment and pray this prayer as your heart is open up, Father, I thank you so much for your son. I thank you that he is my deliverer and he is my hope and my salvation. I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask, dear Jesus, that you would forgive my sins and that you would give me life forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And then I, I, I ask you if you prayed this prayer. And those of you who have known the Lord for many years, and maybe you don't know the Holy Spirit, or, or it's been a long time since you have really thought about the Holy Spirit, or a long time since you really just took time to, to just rekindle the fire that the Holy Spirit once gave you. I pray this morning that you would purpose in your heart, purpose in your devotion time, purpose in your life to seek Him, to seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to seek the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to seek the relationship that you can have with the Holy Spirit, to seek the strength and the guts to live for Christ that the Holy Spirit will give you. Would you pray with me? Father, we just ask that all that are listening, that you would just that you would just reacquaint them with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come that you would come into every one of these homes, every one of these, these churches, every one of these believers' place of business or, or place of recreation. Holy Spirit, that you would come in power, that you would come in such a way that you would, you would touch your people and give us the strength, all of us the strength that we need to serve you daily, to walk with you, to not be afraid, to not cower, to not give up, to not quit but be witnesses, that we would have power, that we would go out and we would tell people about Jesus in the city that we live, in the county that we live, the state that we live, the country that we live, and the world in which we live, that you would encourage others to share the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. We ask this in that name above all names, Jesus Christ. Lord bless you, and I pray a special blessing on you and your family this week. I pray that your mind would be full, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ, and knowledge so deep 
that nothing would ever be able to shake your faith. God bless you. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.